matters of the mind. Are you looking for answers, ideas, or just want someone to listen to you so you can vent? Join Dr. Peter Sacco as he discusses what matters most, issues that surround the mind. He gets to the heart of the matter when it comes to issues involving anger, depression, addictions, fear, anxiety, relationships, sex, abuse, bullying, and everything concerning you. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peter Sacco. Welcome to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us each and every week. That would be myself, Dr. Peter Andrew Sacco, and my co-host, Todd Miller, and also the producer of the show. And Todd is just a little bit under the weather with a bad back, if anybody can relate to that, Todd. <laughs> a bad back, yes. Doesn't uh, doesn't stop me from being on the radio, which is good, uh, you know. And thankfully, I don't have far to go to get to my uh, to the studio, so that that, that is a good thing. So, folks, you're lucky that this is not a visual radio show on Skype where you can actually see the looks. Oh, come on. You'd, they'd be missing my matching Batman uh, pajamas, uh, you know, the Dark Knight. So. Really? You went with that, actually. I am uh, <laughs> in a Green Lantern wardrobe today. <laughs> yes, folks, this is good that this is not TV and is radio. Yeah, this is all impromptu stuff, really good costumes, folks. we got some really, really good designers. And so with that said, it is November still. Actually, it's been a gorgeous November weather-wise, and it uh, looks to be pretty good through the rest of November. And with that said, just for you that aren't aware, it is still Bullying Awareness Month, and it is something near and dear to myself. And um, we've been talking about bullying, and one of the things, Todd, that a lot of people don't realize, and I just finished up uh, an ebook, which will be available for free on the Bullying for the Birds website that I have, is elder abuse and bullying. And a lot of people don't really get that, Todd. That you know, a lot of people think that it's kids that are the victims of uh, bullying and abuse. Teenagers, even adults, but when it comes to seniors, it's like really seniors can be bullied. Yeah, there's that very powerful commercial that you may or may not have seen. Well, for listeners in Ontario, anyways, it was a few years ago where someone was peeking out their blinds and watching uh, a younger person uh, berating a, a senior citizen, and it happens all the time. I mean, one of the other shows that I'm involved with is a show for seniors, and it it, it I won't say it's quite prevalent, but it is prevalent where. You know, it gets complicated as as uh, people age and their faculties decline and they become more of a drain on their their kids. There's some resentment. There's some anger. There's a whole bunch of issues. And again, there also could be a big pile of money that that mom and dad are sitting on, whether it's their house or a nest egg. And and some people have been known to take advantage of that and bully mom and dad to say, "Mom, dad, I need a new car." You know, maybe mom and dad aren't of their best faculties anymore and, you know, pressuring them to sign this, that, and the next thing. And I've heard cases where seniors are bled dry, you know, before they're, before they're even out of their own homes. It is really sad. In fact, U.S. statistics um, show, and this talk about an underrepresentation, that more than half a million reports of abuse against elderly Americans um, reach authorities every year. That means that millions more uh, ridiculously go unreported. And, you know, and I think you, you hit something on Todd um, where a lot of the harm that is coming um, to elders, to seniors that are being bullied and abused are often by people who are directly responsible for their care. Yeah. And as I touched on, there, there are some touch points there. Again, uh, 
you know, there could have been an abusive relationship the other way and the kids are getting back. It could be um, that there's frustration building up because mom and dad aren't uh, capable of caring for themselves anymore. And someone has to go over once, twice a week to take care of them and cook meals. And the kids are saying, you know, hey, I'm you know, this is the prime of my life. And here I am caring for my parents. And this this is terrible. And, and mom and dad owe it to me. You know, they need to make my life better. They need to pay me something for this. So it can get, it can get really complicated quickly. It is. And you know what? It's, it's really sad that, uh, that society in general, and I don't know when this really has changed, um, or, you know, better yet, if you go to some of the older societies slash civilizations, like the Asian culture where elders are so looked up to in terms of reverence and even, um, Native American culture, where the rever- you know, there's this reverence towards elders. Oh yes, and unfortunately, I, I don't understand why in a lot of North American societies, our society, Canada and the United States, that a lot of people don't take seniors or their um, their opinions or their histories as you know valuable to society anymore. And in fact, a lot of them are put into nursing homes, long-term care facilities. And there's neglect there by both caregivers that are taking care of them as well as the own family that doesn't even go visit them. Yeah, uh, you know, I've been been fortunate in the past couple of uh, weeks and months to be interviewing some really, really good long-term care facilities and and long-term care. And then there are also retirement um, homes, which are way different than long-term care facilities. Um, and, and I've really been fortunate to run into some great ones. But then on the flip side of the coin, we've all heard in the news about there are some that are profit driven. Um, the quality of care is not as great. And there have been some instances where uh, some staff members have really taken advantage of the seniors and, and mistreated them in many ways. And then you go hand in hand with the family, just sort of dropping mom and dad off at the home and not really following up and paying attention. And, and they're ripe for abuse, you know, and bullying because uh, there's some, some bad apples out there, unfortunately. It is a sad, you know, state of affairs where, and I think this is, you know, if you're going through this, anybody, and I think you are, Todd, is giving up, I guess, this idea of putting the trust of a loved one in another person's uh, care. And basically what you're doing is removing the independence from an elder, um, their ability to decision make, which now is thrust upon you. And now you're making this tremendous decision and choice to put them yet in the hands of another person, which not only they have to trust your opinion and your judgment, but theirs as well. So at the end of the day, the one that's facilitating this, which would be individual like yourself, is the middleman that is making perhaps the greatest decision for the rest of this person's life. Yeah, and um, the other show is called Making Our Seniors Matter, and it's really, we've, we've talked to some some people that, that help facilitate that, either starting the discussion or it's past the discussion stage, and we really need to talk about getting mom and dad uh, to a different facility, because even though they are mentally sharp. The body tends to go and, and starts betraying them where there's slips and falls. And it's just such a difficult time and and can be, you know, even if the person is in really good health, but they're having minor health issues, 
they never want to leave their home. I mean, this is it's home. It's been home in some cases for 50 or 60 years and they don't really want to leave. So when you as a caregiver, whether you're, a, you know, a son or daughter or whether you're, you know, some relation, you're really put in a difficult spot to say, we need to have this conversation about getting you to a facility where someone can be with you a lot more of the time and take some of the burden away from you. You know, it's, it is, it's not, it's funny in a sarcastic sense that how yesterday we were kids and now today we're adults and then tomorrow we're going to be the elders. And I was just thinking about it today as I was doing illustrations for this ebook and putting in quotations where, you know, today's somebody's grandparent was yesterday somebody's grandchild. And it is so interesting how fast life goes by that too many people, when they're looking at elders and seniors, see that person. And it's, it's really sad as an older person that, gee, do they really have a lot to offer society still? When I think if they could put on a different pair of glasses and say, oh my God, that used to be somebody's grandchild. That used to be somebody's child. That used to be and still is somebody's parent. You know, it's um, it's it's a sad reality that that we begin as as infants, we blossom into adults that are able to take care of ourselves, and then as we age, various parts of our um, abilities start declining. So we're we're very much not able to take care of ourselves um, as we advance in, into the later years. And and I've heard many people say you become it's a childlike state again where you're, you know, you're really oh, having trouble feeding, speaking participating, paying attention. And it's it's very sad how life goes that way. And we all hope that we get as many years out of it as we can, you know, so that, you know, we're 95 years down the road or 100 years when that sort of stuff happens rather than 51 or 52. And that's the way, you know, people be appreciating life each and every day and appreciating those within their life each and every day because they're not going to be here forever. And with that said, uh, you know, um, Folks, it's Bullying Awareness Month, and if you suspect or you know of any elder senior citizen that is being abused, bullied, and I go so far as calling neglect a form of bullying and abuse, definitely please intervene, step in, report it to the authorities, report it to their loved ones, because nobody, nobody, know, irregardless of what your age is, I don't care if you're a half of a month old, a day old, all the way to 101 years of age or older, nobody deserves abuse. No, not at all. And, uh, you know, again, you have to be vigilant. You should be visiting your parents anyways in a, or, you know, your relations that, that are uh, in a long-term care facility or retirement home. I mean, that's just what we do. We need to do that. You, they've raised you. They've helped enable make you the person that you are and uh, we really owe it to them to still be involved in their lives even if I have one Facebook friend who shall rename, remain nameless who whose parent didn't even know them but they still went as often as they could and sat with them and talked with them and just made conversation and and the parent for the most part was was mute didn't really wasn't really there but it was just this loving presence to be there to say, you know, you took care of me all these years. I'm going to help you um, for whatever time you've got left. 
Yeah. And you know what? At the end of the day, Todd, it's all about family and it's all about family values. And with that said, we're going to change it up a bit, but we're still going to talk about family values as we're going to have, and I'm so excited to have him on our show, Gary Wilson, who is a U.S. best-selling author whose great book, Getting Right, uh, is his second highly anticipated novel, which is a masterful fusion of imagination and memory. And it is a very powerful family drama, which is drawn from his own close personal experience. And it is a very moving account. And we're going to have him when we come back. So stay tuned. You are listening to Matters of the Mind, heard worldwide, Wednesdays at 8, on Listen Up Talk Radio, talk-radio.ca. The music you'll hear on Out of the Blue will be jazz for the most part. No specific styles or genres. Every piece of music is handpicked to deliver quality performances. Out of the Blue can be heard on rtds.ca, live Mondays 1 to 3 p.m., and encore performances Tuesday to Friday, anytime on demand. It's the true spirit of jazz, a touch of everything and then some. Thanks for listening. I'm Larry Green. Peter Andrew Sacco, and do you have technological rage? Oh yeah, the new rage of anger. Download my new book today, Technological Rage, on my website, www.petersacco.com, and learn what technological rage is and how it is sweeping people today, leading to online dating anger, texting anger, and social online networking forums. Hmm, did you ever think you might get angry texting? Facebooking or online dating, maybe you never thought it would happen to you, or maybe you know somebody that has this and you just need to understand it a little more. Johnny, show me that you care, really care for me. Welcome back to Mental Health Matters with your host, Dr. Peter Sacco. Welcome back to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us each and every week. And as we keep preaching, folks, what matters most to us, not only this month, but all the time, is bullying. This is Bullying Awareness Month in Canada. Please be a difference maker. If you know somebody who is being bullied or you have the ability to step in and do something about it, do not hesitate. That is somebody's life and they need your help. And also, folks, keep the messages coming into our show. If you've got an idea for a show, topic, a mental health um, topic you'd like to see us cover, something to do with relationships, addictions. I don't know. Have I missed anything, Todd? Uh, no, we, we cover the gamut <laughs> pretty much, and unless you're, we do our Walking Dead stuff every once in a while, too. Yeah, and so keep them coming on Twitter, uh, Facebook, personal emails to me. We love you guys. Uh, you guys make our show great. And we look forward to hearing from you each and every week and having you tune in. So with that said, we've got a tremendously great guest today. I am so, so excited. We've got Gary D. Wilson, who is a best-selling author. His first novel, Sing, Ronnie Blue, appeared in 2007. 
He has taught fiction and short story writing at both John Hopkins University and the University of Chicago. His work has been recommended for a Pushcart Prize, and he was a finalist for Iowa Short Fiction Award and the Drew Hines Literary Prize. He currently lives with his wife in the Windy City, also known as Chicago, and is working on his next novel, The Narrow Wind. So, with that said, Gary's book, the new one, which is going to be coming out, I believe it is called Getting Right, which is his eagerly anticipated second novel, is about family. Correct, Gary? Yes. So, I guess let's go bare bones here and start right from the get-go. How long have you wanted to be a writer for, or did you always want to be a writer your whole life, be an author, get out there and have people read your stuff? Well, that's an interesting question because it's the kind of thing that, uh, but by the way, I want to thank you so much for having me on. This is a real pleasure. Um, but going back to your question, um, I, I suppose I became uh, fairly seriously interested in, you know, as a teenager can, when I was in high school, uh, I had a, a really fantastic English teacher who used to quote Shakespeare during class and really got me excited about language. And so I started some uh, very uh, kind of silly prose um, during those days. And then in college, I became a little more serious about it. But it, it was even after college um, when my wife and I uh, had a stint in Peace Corps in Swaziland, Africa, and had a lot of time on my hands and a lot of uh, new things to experience and observe, and I began writing pretty seriously then and had a, a, a good uh, stock of material by the time we got back to the U.S. and then... Um, I went ahead and got a, a Master of Fine Arts in Creative Writing at Bowling Green State University in Ohio um, and have been writing ever since. So when you write, do you rely on imagination? Like, do you, how, how should I put this, Gary? Do you draw things up from scratch? You know, it's like, well, gee, I'm inspired to write something and this has just come into my mind. Or are you one of a storyteller where you look at people around you, say that, you know, my, myself, I write. So I'm sitting in Starbucks. Somebody can write, walk in, and they're dressed, you know, pretty differently, pretty cool. And as they're walking in, I'm making up this story in my mind. How do you write? How do you go about doing this and developing your characters? Uh, another interesting question. I, I think um, my process is... Um a little more external than internal uh, in the sense that I um, notice things around me. I notice people doing things that cause questions in my mind. You know, why is that person um, acting the way he or she is acting? And um, uh, kind of go from there. And uh, I think any writer... Um, uh, has to write from their own experience. Uh, the idea that things come full-blown from the head of Zeus is is kind of a romantic notion. Even somebody like uh, Tolkien had a very clear worldview that he was expressing through his fantasy writing. Um, and realistic 
fiction writers where I guess I place myself um, write from what we think we know about uh, human beings and the human experience. And so I, I tend to uh, write from things that happen to me or things that catch my attention in the world around me. Uh, it's rather long-winded, and I apologize. But uh, No, no worries, because uh, I think we're all writers as well. I've written short stories, and, and I started off as a songwriter writing lyrics. And, and as Dr. Sanko alluded to, you know, uh, so many themes and so many moments came to me while I was in a public place, whether it was eating dinner or at a coffee shop, and seeing people interact and overhearing snippets of conversation. And while that makes a great topic, I tend to also inject myself in that conversation. I become one of the players in it to, to I guess in my mind, to make to humanize it and bring more authenticity to it. And it sounds like that's what you do similarly, you do it more externally, but again, you have to write a little bit, and what you're saying is you're writing more from your personal experience. Yeah, yeah, I, th I think that's a, that's a, a very good um, description of, of what I do, and uh, many times um, I, I was reading not so long ago about uh, the creative process with, with people, no matter whether they write or, you know, do uh, science experiments, it's the time away from the project itself when you're taking a walk or taking a shower or, you know, uh, going to sleep or waking up um, that something happens that brings together a fuller vision of something that you've been mulling over. Uh, for example, I saw a person one time whose uh, first two fingers and thumb were constantly uh, rubbing together against each other. And what came to my mind immediately was, you know, here's a person who used to smoke and no longer does. And that kind of stuck in my mind for a while until one day suddenly this fully realized person emerged in my mind. And um, it's just, it's a little bit magical in that sense. I, I, uh, when the process, uh, you know, manifests itself fully. So it's, I, I like that aspect of, of the writing process as well. It's funny when you mentioned the fingers and the thumb, immediately I went to, oh, there's someone that's got a, a fixation on money and maybe they were someone that was involved in touching a lot of money and it's missing. And now I would take, I would take that character as being somewhat uh, on the edge and looking for a way to, to make a big score of money. Just, it's interesting how we, we see those same similar, you know, emotions yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and take them in different directions. It's very interesting that you take that tack and I took uh, the other. Yeah. So it's uh, that's the whole that's the whole process of work right there. Two different it's books coming. Two different books coming out, I'm sure soon. So Gary, let me ask you this then: with today's, um, and I was asked actually this on a radio show myself, with today's generation, um, which seems to be less into reading novels and less to re it seems reading. Period. They prefer little snippets of stuff, little condensed versions of stuff, sentences and that stuff. How do you go about 
creating a storyline, story ideas that you know you believe or you think are going to appeal to readers that are going to say, hey, I want to pick up Gary Wilson's book because he's got something really cool to say. How do you go about grabbing somebody's attention? <laughs> I don't. Uh, <laughs> and, and I say that not to be snide. It's, uh, I, I, and I tell my students this all the time, that you cannot write with someone, uh, some imaginary audience member looking over your shoulder. It completely ruins the uh, creative process, I believe, because you start wondering what that person uh, wants to read and expects to read, and then you end up, I think, uh, with the potential of warping your own vision of what you're what you're trying to do. Now, there are people certainly who, um, and I uh, I'm thinking here of uh, people who write mysteries and who write romance and that sort of thing. There is clearly a different intention with their writing uh, than with someone like me uh, because I'm, I write to satisfy my own um, aesthetic needs and instincts. I don't write to immediately capture an audience's attention. Uh, now that said, any writer I think would not be telling the whole truth if he or she said, um, I'm not interested in having an audience, mm. because we all are, uh, nobody likes to think that they're doing it, and uh, no one's ever going to read it, except maybe Kafka, who demanded everything he wrote be burned. But most of us, you know, we, we like to have people read what we write. But I don't intentionally uh, write something to engage an imaginary audience. So Gary, you're talking about writing in general, that you don't write and cater to what the readers want, so to speak, because if I, I believe if you're going to do that, you're going to constantly be having to change your storylines, your characters, your ideas, your themes, your genres, infinitely over and over and over to, to cater to the masses. But what is really interesting, which I'm finding is that a lot of people still today are really caught up in if it's got sex in it, if it's got violence in it, it sells. And with that said, I'm finding that a lot of the younger generation um, are really into reality-based stuff. I think a lot of it is, you know, is systemic from reality television and online social media where they're vicariously living as movie stars day by day by posting all of this stuff online about themselves because they love the attention. So I guess... With that said, do you ever feel that you compromise your characters or or even with your students, you find that your students compromise themselves just to get some sort of, you know, reading audience? Uh, yes. Um, I, I not, not so much with me. Uh, I, you know, and, and I don't mean to sound egotistical, but I... I sort of uh, decided early on that I was more interested in uh, creating um, a piece of art than a, a product. And uh, I, I say that advisedly because I, students who, I, I teach primarily adult students, which is, is um, in many ways more interesting than uh, undergraduates because 
they have life experience and it's, uh, have more interesting stories to tell, I think. But um, at the same time, many of those students are um, driven to produce something, and most of them come from some kind of uh, professional background where uh, they've been product-oriented for their, their whole careers. And many times they, they want to write fiction that is product-oriented. And what I always stress in my uh, teaching, and I hope in my writing, is that um, the process is the most important thing. So that when I finish one novel and I have an idea for another one, I can uh, begin it. Uh, because I, the, it, it, I'm into the process of writing and not so much oriented toward the um, goal of having a product that's going to do well in the marketplace. And I, I sound really snooty about that, and I don't mean to. It's just the, um, the, um, the writing as an art form is the most important thing to me. And if people uh, react positively toward that and take away something from from my writing um, that you know um, maybe I didn't even realize was there uh, that's wonderful that's icing on the cake as far as I'm concerned I'm hearing you talk and I am just hearing authenticity and I'm hearing you know honor the the process and as a writer myself, I sometimes struggle with that because I'm, I'm trying to make everything so authentic, the characters, that I, when I was starting out, I wasn't inhabiting the characters. I was writing them and they were very two-dimensional because, you know, I would mention something about them, where they worked, what they wore, what they did each day, but I wasn't giving them a soul. And, and I want to know how you do that with your characters. How do you make them so three-dimensional? Um. <clears throat> That's, I think, the heart of, of a fiction writer's life uh, is is being able to inhabit another human being, and that sounds sort of freaky, but I don't mean it to particularly. Yeah, but you do have to. Um, you need to pay attention to. Uh, your artistic intentions, but you have to make, if, if you are going to engage a reader, and, and as I said, all writers, I think, ultimately want to engage a reader, is that you have to create people that they care about, that are they're willing to invest, you know, many hours of their lives with. Um, and that is a very uh, fine balancing act of... Um, you know, attending to the art and attending to the the soul of of a of a work in process. Um, and I, you know, for all my talk about uh, attention to to my artistic uh, goals, uh, <clears throat> I have I've ruined several pieces by just working them to death. Mm. You know, I take I take the passion and the soul out of the work by 
you know, squeezing it and squeezing it and squeezing it. So it's uh, that I think is is probably the most difficult thing any uh, writer of fiction certainly uh, has to confront is how do you how do you get the, to the essence, the real essence of of your characters and. Um, you you have to become those people, and that's that's very difficult. It's a little bit like uh, I, I think the the best actors are people who can surrender their own egos and become whatever character it is they're trying to portray on stage. And similarly, I think the best fiction writers are able to render people uh, so real and palpable that that you could sit down and have dinner with somebody from from a novel. Um, I'm kind of rambling. I hope I'm addressing the question you asked. Absolutely. So anyways, we're going to go to commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to ask Gary about his inspiration behind the second novel, Getting Right, and how it ties to family and family values. We're going to go to commercial. You're listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Buying or selling a home, condo, or investment property may be one of the largest transactions you'll ever make. It's important to gather as much information as you can, and preferably from experienced, successful professionals. When it comes time to make your move, call the Mulholland Ross Real Estate Team with Keller Williams Real Estate Service at 416-230-8500 or visit www.realestatetoronto.com. Whether you're making your first move or selling your much-loved family home, the Mulholland Ross Team offers over 26 years of real estate sales and service across the GTA. Listen every Sunday at 4 p.m. here on Radio That Doesn't Suck to hear the team share advice and information that will assist you with your personal wealth through real estate. Questions or topics you'd like to see covered? Email info at realestatetoronto.com or call the Mulholland Ross team at 416-230-8500. Welcome to my new book, Niagara's Most Haunted Legends and Myths, which is not just a book about ghosts and haunted places, rather about history in the Niagara region. This book explores and uncovers parts of the Niagara region which are considered some of the richest in North American history and the most haunted. As a matter of fact, one of the bloodiest battles in North American history, the War of 1812, between the British and the Americans was fought here. And this year, the bicentennial year anniversary of the War of 1812 is covered in this book. This book explores most of the haunted places, legends that have existed from the 1800s right now to 2012. Each chapter covers a different type of landmark which not only educates readers on historical significances, but also entertains with anecdotal ghost stories and paranormal investigations. Join me in this book as we visit beds and breakfasts, ships and boats, trains, tunnels, museums, mansions, highways, forts, cemeteries, waterfalls, and many more, and see if the Niagara region is really haunted. Niagara's Most Haunted Legends and Myths is now available at Indigo Chapters and online on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com and visit our website, www.niagara'smosthaunted.com. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Welcome back to Mental Health Matters with your host, Dr. Peter Sacco. Well, hello there and welcome. 
welcome back to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us each and every weekend. What's mattering right now to us is Gary Wilson, a best-selling author in the United States, whose new book is eagerly anticipated second novel, Getting Right, is going to be coming out in bookstores soon. And it's a story that emerges far more moving than any purely factual account which could ever be very powerful family drama so Gary and a what is the synopsis of this book that you have coming out and why is it so moving when it comes to family well it's um, I should say it's it's uh, uh, the most autobiographical thing I've ever written and um, it deals uh, with my actual brother and sister who both have uh, died, and uh, I experienced those deaths. And uh, at, at one point, in uh, uh, long story sh uh, short, uh, my sister, uh, the character Connie in, in the book, um, challenged me at one point uh, to write the story of her life, which was not a very uh, inspiring story. And... Uh, what evolved into the narrative narrator character in the book he says yeah i'll do that but you have to let me do it the way i see it and not the way you want it so what i what i did was to set up an artificial construct um in in the book so that i could deal with some very personal issues and i you know the me character in the book is is uh, based roughly on me, uh, Connie roughly on my sister, and Lynn roughly on my brother. But it, the story that Connie wants me to tell is one that involves the whole family: or the father, mother, aunts, uncles, grandparents. Uh, they all weave in and out of this uh, narrative, and I think the tension, the artistic tension or the narrative tension, exists uh, in the reader's mind about, well, is this narrator telling the truth? Um, and so it's, it's a very wide-ranging, uh, episodic story of, of this uh, big family, and um, this one... Uh, person, the me character, the narrator, trying to sort out what truth is and what, how does truth interact with memory and where, where is the, um, you know, is it possible ever to know the truth about anyone, even oneself? So I guess that that's kind of, again, long-winded, but that's what the book uh, is concerned with. I'm, I'm really glad to, to hear that, Gary, that you've in, <clears throat> basically included the generations across the family within the book, because too often it's almost like a lot of authors will shift rate to youth, rate to, you know, the prime of people's lives, you know, that the readers will relate. And we were talking about this early in the show, Todd and I, about just the, the amount of... Um, elder abuse that's out there that people not only in terms of abuse and bullying but also the neglect of elders and I it, I'm glad that you you know you said you brought the grandparents into the book and was it for your readers to relate to the grandparents um, to see that hey these people are still they have a viable place in society that we can learn from 
Well, you know, it's a, it's an interesting thing because, as as I alluded to earlier, I I was not concerned with with uh, particularly uh, you know attracting or nailing an audience per se. But uh, one thing that's interested me about the book, uh, people who read it in manuscript form, uh, tell me almost to a person, I can see my own family here. There is, this is my family, uh, which I, I it rather surprised me because I didn't uh, I didn't have that in mind particularly when I was writing it. I was writing a story that was very important and personal to me, and, but it it clearly has made connection with with uh, a fairly wide range of people so far. So I hope it will continue to. That's incredible that it resonates with so many people that they can easily slip into it and say, this is me. And from my own experience, I find that with with certain songs where with the lyrical content, people identify with it. Uh, I find a lot easier than typically a novel, but that that's incredible praise that they're able to have the characters fleshed out so closely to their own lives that they can just step in and say, this is my family. Incredible work. Where can we yes, find I'm you? I'm very pleased with that kind of reaction, of course. Oh, I can I can imagine that's why you do it. I mean, you do it for yourself first, but if you can share it with a with a larger audience, then all the better. Oh yeah. Where can we find the upcoming book, and where can we find you uh, on social media or the World Wide Web? All right, uh, the book will be coming out at the end of January. I think the release date for the ebook is the 26th of January, and for the print version. Uh, the 29th of January. The book is being published by John Hunt Publishers in uh, uh, Great Britain and um, will be available through, I think, local bookstores in the U.S. Um, uh, there's a, uh, they publish, uh, they distribute throughout the English-speaking world and use a specific uh, North American uh, distributor for Canada and the U.S., and uh, the bo- book should be available through any local bookstore. It will be available, of course, on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Uh, I'm not sure other um, retail online out- outlets at this point, but uh, those two for certain. Um, my email address, uh, not my email address, my website address is all lowercase GaryDWilson.com. So it's pretty simple, GaryDWilson.com. And there is a specific book page uh, that deals with getting right and allows you to sign up for information about uh precisely when the book's going to be released and where you can get it. And that is at GaryDWilson.com slash getting dash right. So either of those uh, sites you could um, log on to. And on the uh, website, it's it's brand new and has uh, a fair amount of information about my first book and my um, forthcoming book and about, uh, some information about me personally. So if people are interested, I invite them to browse and um, get in touch with me. Awesome. Gary D. Wilson, GaryDWilson.com. Thank you for joining us on Matters of the Mind today. 
It's my pleasure. I have enjoyed the interview very much. Stay tuned. More Matters of the Mind coming up right around the corner. Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us each and every week, folks. And what I continually say what matters to us this month more than any other month because it is an important month. It is Bullying Awareness Month. And joining us now is my favorite guest each and every week, Ellen Campbell. She is the CEO and the founder of the Center for Abuse Awareness, which in my humble, honest opinion, is one of the greatest organizations in this entire universe. Welcome, Ellen. How are you today? Thanks for that introduction, Peter. Thank you. <laughs> so, that was very and, nice. And, well, you're anything for you. Um, <laughs> so with that said, Alan, uh, if anybody now goes to abusehurts.ca, and folks, right. please go there. There is a wonderful opportunity on Take a Stand Against Bullying. Can you explain what individuals can do and how they can help out, Alan? Well, they can certainly text. Um, uh, there's all the information on there to take a to take a stand. The other thing that I really encourage people to do, Peter, is as you know, we have our e-zine, and which will be starting up again. Uh, we really want to get some stories, um, videos, anything from especially young people, but anybody, on how they dealt with their bullying. What did they do? How did they handle it? Maybe some ideas and some suggestions because. Someone just very wisely said to me recently that a lot of our sites like ours and a lot of really good sites out there on anti-bullying, there's a lot of written information, but especially younger people, this is the age of, you know, videos and all that sort of stuff, they relate better to other young people or other people saying, this is what happened to me, this is how I dealt with it. So we're really encouraging people. It's almost, you know, the benefits of a 12-step group. You know how that works, Peter. Hearing each other and how it how it helped, what they did to to help. So we're really encouraging people to start to do that. We would welcome poetry, art, videos, anything that, uh, and then that will help other people that are going through it to um, maybe connect in a better way. Where would this be shared with the with the public on your website? Well, uh, yeah, and and in our easing, our easing, we can play videos. Oh, okay, great. And, yeah, yeah. So um, it's. We're starting to do, and we're looking at actually doing something separate. But, I, you know, I, I just find the best healing comes from other people telling their testimonies and what they did. Um, so that would be two things that could really, really help us and hopefully help each other. I, I agree 100%, Ellen. And I think uh, people look for... A sense of, you know, the ability to relate to people, accountability to others, and definitely inspiration from others. And I guess in a roundabout way, you can kind of do like your own version of chicken soup for the soul. Because I think that's, I know having spoken, uh, Todd and I have had Jack Canfield on in the past. And I think that's one of the ways Jack looks at it. People are leading by example. So I did, so you mentioned the easy now. Do you know at, at roughly when it's going to be back up online? I have had several people now inquiring about it. 
Yes, we, we unfortunately had to take it down just because with the summer, with our huge move and everything. But we're hoping to have it back up in January. So we're certainly starting to take articles and uh, anything that people want to send in, uh, we welcome it. And um, we, if we don't get in the January issue, it'll go in the next one. And as you know, it goes, it goes out to thousands and thousands of people. It goes viral. And, um, you know, we love to promote what you're doing, Peter, your, your book that's on our web page, you know, your, your latest one. And, and I have to tell you, too, I'm going to give you a plug. You did an amazing book. I think is it What Women Want to Know About Men. Is that the title? Oh, what women, Why Women Want What They Can't Have. That's it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I haven't been able to read it myself yet, but a friend of mine who's going through a lot of difficult relationship issues um, has been reading it. She says it's phenomenal. So I'm going to give you a plug. You've written a lot of books, but that's a really, really good one um, for women and men. Well, thank you so much. I'll, and for those that have never read it, or it, it is actually published, I believe, on four continents. And the gist of it was uh, to help women get out of abusive relationships or continually pick mates that are less than ideal or not very good, how should we say, potential husbands or father figures. And, it, you know, and the same works the other way, I guess, Ellen. Nowadays, men can pick less than ideal mates themselves. So it's, it's, all, about, so it's all about picking the right individuals for our lives. Right, and we've had, uh, the last two weeks, we've had women from shelters. Uh, we had 12 women this Monday and 12 previously getting their hair and their makeup and new clothes and everything. And, oh, my gosh, so many of these women, this is not the first time that they left their husbands and then went back. And, you know, one woman was really upset and telling me her story, and her worker very wisely came over and said, but you're alive. Mm. And uh, so I, I, I would highly recommend that book, Peter, for... You know, I don't think there's anybody on this earth that can't benefit from recovery at some level. We're all broken in some places. And um, those sort of books, uh, and they really, I, I mean, teach us. You think you've, you've heard it all, and I've, I've learned a lot from you already, Peter. So I'm, in, I'm giving you a big plug today. Also, well, your children's you so book. It's on our website. Well, thank you so much. Big hugs your way back. Okay. I, I have one final question before we have to, to wrap up for today. And I'd like to know, I don't think we've ever discussed it. What What is the age range of the clients that you deal with? I mean, what are the extremes that you've seen in terms of ages? Because I'm not sure if people really know um, what the demographic is that, that, that come to you for help. Well, I guess most of them that come for help, for referral and resourcing, it could be anyone from teenagers right up to, I think I had a lady in her 70s. Um, and, of course, a lot of what we do, of course, is with product donations. So, for instance, this Christmas, we'll be doing about 2,000 families, so that's a lot of children. So it's either, if it's actually, we don't do frontline counseling for children. We actually don't, don't do frontline counseling for adults. We mm -hmm. work with people that do. Right. But, um, so we really, it's, it's children right up to, hey, I've seen, I, I know this one lady was in recovery in her 70s wow. when she started. So it's, it's every age group, as you know, and women and definitely want to help a lot of men. We're getting so many calls from men, and we just really need to keep reminding people that men are victims as well. Absolutely, and abuse hurts. I mean, it really does, mm -hmm. and, and that's why you're there. Mm -hmm. It absolutely does, folks. And once again, I can't emphasize this enough. Please take a stand against bullying. Text HEAL, H-E-A-L, to 2222.
and it's definitely worth it. Uh, it's a great $5 investment donation to help and take a stand against bullying because as Todd just brought up and Ellen answered the question, it's right across the board in terms of what your age is, what your gender is, what your nationality is, what your religious beliefs are. People deserve to live a free life and a healthy, happy life. So Ellen, thank you so much for joining us. And Thank we'll you. Back. So we'll be talking to you next week, same time. Wonderful. Have a great same. week, guys. Okay. You too. All right. Bye. 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 More Matters of the Mind right around the corner. Stay with us. back to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us each and every week. So folks, that is a wrap. Thank you for joining us today. You are great listeners. Keep the questions, comments, and concerns, whatever you like coming in to me. You can always find me on Twitter, Peter Andrew Sacco, as well as Facebook. And stay tuned. Join us next week. We're going to have a really special show. Hope to hear you. I'm excited and I hope this works out, but we won't mention any names just in case for some reason it doesn't happen. But Please tune in next Wednesday at 8 p.m. And if you miss it, it's on podcast at uh, Listen Up Talk Radio, worldwide at talk-radio.ca. We will catch you right back here next Wednesday at 8 p.m. You've been listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Peter Andrew Sacco. Get in touch with him on his website, petersacco.com, or find his contact page on Listen Up at talk-radio.ca. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash listenuptalkradio, on Twitter at listenuptalk. Thanks for listening and sharing our posts. We'll catch you next week. I was coming out, and all that counts is here and